Lord Jesus, I just praise you and I thank you, Lord, that we're able to read your word, Lord. And Lord, that you give us your Holy Spirit to understand. And Lord, as I was reminded this week, Lord, you even give us your Holy Spirit to help us read your word. Because sometimes, you know, we, we don't feel like reading. You know, it, uh, it might be boring, whatever. But Lord, we can ask you to help us to read your word. And then that we would do our duty of actually doing it, Lord, being responsible with it and going there to hear you speak to us through your word. And Lord, I just pray that our hearts would be prepared, including mine, to receive what we hear. And Jesus, I just pray that you would speak through me. And we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, I'll give you the quick rundown. If you guys remember uh, the chapter before, uh, was a reminder that they had finished uh, taking the land that, that was available to them. They, they still had to do like these mop-up battles, like get people out. Uh, they still had to uh, take over the full lands. But if you remember, we covered a part um, back in one of the other books that the Lord said he would let them get the land little by little so that all of a sudden, it wasn't abandoned, and then wild animals would take over the land and everything, and then they'd be sitting there having to fight wildlife and, um, you know, whatever would take over the land. So he told them, I'll let you get the land little by little. They had to be responsible with going for it and believing God, okay? So when we came out of Joshua 22, we were told that God had done everything he had promised to his people and to their forefathers, all right? So, so that's something that's kind of cool because uh, the Lord can have a promise on your life that he would have given maybe, maybe your mother or your father who's been praying for you or a promise that maybe your grandparents had gotten because we like to think our, as our lives, especially as Westerners, right? We live in, in Western society. We are very individualistic. My life is my life, all right? But if you really think about it, there have been other people that it have allowed you to get to where you are today, all right? We're told in scripture that there is no man uh, greater than John that is born of a woman. In other words, the only one that would be um, kind of taken out of that would be Adam. He was the only one that was not born of a woman. He was breathed into by God, right? So it's, it's just kind of kind of things that we could think about and, and say, you know what? God was actually saying that John's a pretty big deal among men because all men have been born of a woman. And if you take that into context, I wouldn't be here without my mother. My mother wouldn't be here without her mother and father, right? And then we think today, oh, you know, scientific, scientific advancements and all these things, you know, we can make people, but not really. We need to take the elements that God made, and then we manipulate those elements. That's really what we do. And like that joke that, uh, you know, the guy, this scientist was standing there, and he wanted to talk to God because he had created life, right? And he says to God, you know, I created life. I want a showdown. You create life, I'll create life, because I've created life myself. So God's like, yeah, okay, cool. So God comes, and he says, okay, I'll let you go first. God says, go first. And then um, the guy starts to pick up some soil, and the Lord goes, whoa, 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 hold up, hold up. Make your own dirt, right? 
we can only, we are small creators, right? I can only create with what has been given to me to create, right? You might say, no, no, I, I paint out of thin air or whatever you do, but you're using elements that someone else has created even if you're making your paint out of mud. God made that mud, right? Um, or you're using your hands. God created those hands. We were knit together in our mother's wombs. So knowing that everything we have is linked to someone else who is given. And that really, I, I find that that really helps me in life because then it, it gets me out of my selfishness and helps me to bring me to a reality where I'm grateful of those around me. I've told you before, I know this man, right? I know this guy, and he used to say to me, I don't owe anybody anything. And I knew the man, and the man owed debts. And I'm like, except for all those debts you owe, you kind of owe those things, right? <laughs> Come on. Or like, I've met guys that are self-made men, right? And they're like, I made me. I'm like, whoa, that's fascinating. How did you knit yourself together in your mother's womb? That is mind-blowing, bro. Like, we speak out of ignorance. We speak out of pride. And then we find out that in scripture, when we're proud, right, that's before destruction. Pride comes before the destruction. Haughtiness before the fall. I want to stay away from that. So how do I stay away from that? I practice gratefulness. We need to practice gratefulness. Am I always grateful? Nah. I should be, though. Right? But it helps when I'm grateful to the Lord, when I realize everything I have, he has given. And then I can think about it and ponder on that. And then it helps me in my relationships when I realize that a lot of people have invested in my life, that I stand up here and I don't belong to myself. Though, you know, when you're in your sin, you want to belong to yourself because you want to do whatever you want to do. But when I realize that people invested in me, that people even with encouraging words came to me and invested their words into me and said, hey, I think you're doing a great job. They didn't have to say that to me. They didn't have to give me that investment that encourages me and then continues on. Or those that sat and taught me. Have you ever tried teaching people? Sometimes it is the most aggravating thing. Why? Because sometimes you're teaching dummies, right? I've been that dummy. I've been the one that's like, no, I don't get it. <laughs> okay, let me give it to you one more time, Dave. <laughs> you know, 600th time is the charm, you know, whatever. It's really third time's the charm, but, you know, with me. 600th time, let's try this again. Imagine God standing next to me. All right, Dave, let's love them the way I've taught you. Don't worry, you messed up again. It's okay, we're, we're only on year 43. Don't worry, we're going to get it sometime. Right? The Lord doesn't give up on us. Therefore, I need to remember to have that gratefulness and not give up on others when I'm teaching them. Right? How many of you guys have taught? You don't have to raise your hand. But when you've taught, sometimes, I, I think as a teacher, you, you, you get a little frustrated sometimes with your pupils. Not these pupils, but, you know, your student pupils. You might get frustrated with these pupils, but anyway. And you just want, you know, 
me being a New Yorker, you want to slap them. But you, I don't do that, right? I only say it. I don't do it, right? But man, you want to just smack somebody in the back of the head and be like, hey, why don't you turn your brain on? I used to know this guy who used to say to, you can, you can check the story, right? So my older brother and I used to go into this guy's office. We used to work for him. And he would say this to us individually. You've got no brains. <laughs> and you just stand there going, OK. <laughs> Good chat. <laughs> Thanks for the encouragement, bro. <laughs> you know, like, and, and you think back about what you did, and sometimes you're like, yeah, that was stupid. And then other times you were like, I wasn't trying to be stupid. But really, he just loved saying that to us. And we were just like, all right, God bless you. He's a Christian. <laughs> all right, bro. <laughs> so, you know, like as teachers, sometimes you want to say that and you're like, you know what? If you're a good teacher, sometimes you hold your tongue and you say, you know what? Let me just be patient. Anyway, so Joshua gets them together, the one that has been leading them and actually teaching them. And before him was Moses, and Moses got in trouble for a couple of times of saying that, you guys got no brains. What's wrong with you guys? You know, like, I leave you for a couple, I leave you for a couple of days, and you're down here worshiping a calf, which my brother Aaron said came out of the fire magically. You guys got no brains, you know? Like, we were just delivered from Egypt, and you're over here worshiping gold and saying that it delivered you out of Egypt. Um, you know, it, that would lead you to anger. And the Lord wanted Moses to remain composed, calm, watch what came out of his mouth, because Moses was representing the Lord. And just like you and me, guess what? If you know Jesus Christ today, you represent the Lord. So the Lord wants you to lean on him before we even speak things out of our mouths to people in anger. I mean, I'm a main culprit, man. If you want to see me say some crazy stuff, man, get me angry. I'll just say some stuff. And then later, they'll be like, why did you say that? I'm, I don't even remember what I said. <laughs> I was just, you know, I was just shooting my mouth gun <laughs> at everybody. <laughs> and the Lord's helping me with that, to hold my tongue. You know, I, I say this uh, proverb often. The fool shows his discontent immediately, but the wise man or wise woman holds their tongue. They stay quiet even when they're made fun of. Why I remember that verse is because I need to practice that verse. I need to practice. Because it tells us in another place in Proverbs that even the fool is thought wise when he stays quiet. So if you're dumb like me, just don't say anything. <laughs> then people will be like, wow, he's really wise. <laughs> yeah, just go mute. <laughs> so, you know, the Lord is good. So then Joshua brings them together. He begins explaining to them, and then he runs them down like a little, a little bit of, of a reminder session, a little bit of an encouragement session, uh, a little bit of an encouragement to remind them of who God has been and who they need to be. So last week, he told them, be very careful to obey all the commandments that Moses gave you. Obey them, all right? Now, we don't live under the law, 
But we are told that if we come to Christ, Christ says, and if you love me, you will obey my commands, right? So now it's not a, you have to obey my commands. Now I actually serve the Lord and do good things, not to earn a position, but because I love the one who loved me first. It's different. It's different. It's like in a marriage, uh, you know, I married Claire. I met Claire 18 years ago, right? It's going to be going on to 19 years. I met her 18 years ago, right? And I married her 13 years ago. So 13 years ago, I arrived at this church, not at this location. We are at some other whack location, all right? That's <laughs> the best way I could describe it, you know? You know, when you're scared to go into the, into the toilets by yourself and you're a man. <laughs> I remember I would go into the toilets in this certain building. I won't name the building. And there was a stainless steel metal thing. And I would look in that to watch my back. <laughs> watch watch into the stainless steel to see if somebody was going to come up after me with like needles or something. Because we'd walk into the bathroom and there'd be needles on the ground and stuff. And you're like, really? Wow. Okay. You know, so praise the Lord. We're in a better location, a bit safer here. So, um, but yeah, I remember. And we, I got married 13 years ago to, to my beautiful wife, um, who has, you know, grown more and more in the Lord, grown more and more uh, in loving me, and if you realize anything I have today or whatever has been because she has been there investing in me, okay? But, you know, we, we see that, I forgot why I was telling you that. <laughs> All right, see you next Sunday. That's what I know. God loved us while we were yet still sinners. So I was working off that point, and later I'll remember why I was telling you a story. So, um, so then Joshua tells them, "Listen, you have um, the Lord's been good for you, to you. The Lord promises that He'll be good to you, and He loved you first. Remember that God loved you first; that He was there for you." Uh, Romans five, verse eight and nine. So that should be on the screen in a second. Romans 5, verses 8 through 9. And it reads this. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Right? While yet we were first sinners. Now I remember why I was telling you about marriage. <laughs> now listen, I married Claire 13 years ago. Now, if I come to bring her gifts, it's not so that she will marry me again, right? We're already married. I don't bring her gifts so that she will accept me. I'm already accepted. I bring her gifts because I love her in what has happened after I've been accepted, right? So just like the Lord, we're not sitting there trying to appease a God saying, please, please, I'm good. Please, please, please help. Let me go to heaven. I'm going to do good works. Let me go to heaven. No, we're past that. We're past that. We have been accepted 
through the sacrifice that Christ has done. And when we believe in that, we're accepted 100%. We're part of his family. Now, when I do good things, it's because we're in a love relationship. And I was explaining to somebody earlier, like that was the most foreign thing to me as I was growing up in the sense of like people saying, hey man, you got to fall in love with Jesus. And I'm like, I'm a dude. <laughs> Jesus is a dude. <laughs> I'm not going to fall in love with a dude. <laughs> Just my thing. Sorry. <laughs> but then I realized it's a different type of love. It's the love of being accepted, a love of a son with a father, a love of a slave with a master that takes care of him and is good to him. And we may not like those terms, but guess what? God is like no other. He's above all. And when I love him, I love my master, the one who's in charge, the one who gives me the strength to do what I need to go do, the one who gives me what I need to go do. He's the one that gives me the charge and says, hey, why don't you go do this, right? But it's a love relationship and loving him and being devoted to him in my life, right? And in all of our lives, but it's because he loved us first. So don't get it mixed up. So this is what Joshua, so we'll begin at verse 12. But if you turn away from him, because he's, he's already told them, listen, he, he already loved you. And he told them in verse 8, rather cling tightly to the Lord your God as you have done until now. Continue to cling. Continue to hold on to him. Verse 9, for the Lord has driven out great and powerful nations for you. And no one has yet been able to defeat you. Each one of you will put to flight a thousand of the enemy. Each one of you will put to flight a thousand of the enemy. And like I was saying last week, like you saw, like we read about Hezekiah and how Hezekiah, you, you know, that king came and told him, listen, I've taken out every other nation. Don't think your God can save you from me, right? I have 185,000 soldiers waiting outside your walls. Go ahead, muster up your 10,000. In fact, he taunts them and he says, I will give you thousands of chariots. Let's see if you can even fill them. That's what he taught. He taunted him with that. It's like taunting the enemy saying, listen, bro, I'll give you, you 10,000 guns. I don't even think you have 10,000 soldiers to hold them. Whoa. Right? What does Hezekiah say? Hezekiah doesn't even go to see the guy. Hezekiah doesn't stand on the walls and say, Nuh-uh, don't talk about my people like that. Right? He doesn't say that. You know what? He takes that, he takes that letter that he wrote, and he goes to the temple, to the Lord. What is the Lord known as? The Lord of hosts. You know what that means? The Lord, the general of heaven's armies. The Lord of hosts. He goes to the Lord of hosts and he says, and it says he lays it flat in front of the Lord. And he says, do you see what they've written to me? And it's true. It's true, Lord. We don't have the strength to go fight them. Like being honest with ourselves. A lot of times we muster up arrogance and pride and we try to say words back. That was my problem, right? 
I used to get picked on because I was a quiet little kid. And then I thought to myself, hey, nobody's going to back me up. So I'm going to have a sharp tongue and say stuff to people, right? And I remember I, I got really good at it. You know, you practice in the mirror, a couple comebacks. Yeah, bro, right? You get your comebacks, you get your comebacks, right? And I had some good ones, man. I had people walk away from me like, whoa, bro. <laughs> Don't be so vicious, man. I loved mama jokes, right? <laughs> right? Like, your mama's so ugly that when she goes to the dentist, they make her lay face down because they don't want to see that. <laughs> what? <laughs> Just saying stupid things, right? And then the Lord told me, stop with your cutting tongue. That's not of me. So then, instead of mustering up my pride, I had to run to the Lord. That's what Hezekiah did. Where did I learn that? from God's word. Where do you run to when you are being attacked? Do you run into your own thoughts? And then, you know, you start, yeah, I hate that person. Oh, I can't believe they attacked me. Oh, yeah, this is what I think of them. And this is what I, and then, you know, the most dangerous talk is self-talk. And I've said this before because I always agree with myself, right? I hate that guy. You're right. You do hate that guy. You know what, self? I think I should do something. You should do something. He had no right to talk to me like that. You are 100% correct, Dave. That's how self-talk happens. You know, I feel so low about myself. You should. You are very low. Instead, I should be talking to the Lord about it. So when I say, Lord, I feel so low about myself, and the Lord says, why are you feeling low? I make all things beautiful, including you. Lord, I don't feel good enough. I think that person is a jerk. Should you be feeling like that about your neighbor? Oh, I need to correct my thinking, right? So instead of self-talk, we need to talk to the Lord. We need to go to his holy temple, which isn't a place right now, like now. We are actually his temple, so we can sit exactly where we are and talk to the Lord and say, Lord, look what the enemy has written to me. And they're right. I am weak. And this is what Hezekiah says. It is only you that helps the weak. So he tells the Lord something true about his nature, right? What does God say over and over in his word? God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So when I humbly come before him and I say, you know what? The things they said were cutting, and some of them are true, Lord, but I'm being attacked. I need your help. I need your help. And then Joshua then picks up, but if you turn away from him and cling to the customs of the survivors of these nations remaining among you, and if you intermarry with them, then know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive them out of your land. Instead, they will be a snare and a trap to you, a whip for your backs and thorny brambles in your eyes, and you will vanish from this good land the Lord your God has given you. Now, how can we apply that, right, as New Testament believers, right? Well, we can apply it like this, like actual marrying, like Scripture tells us not to be unequally yoked. And I've told you this in the past, and the Lord taught me this, and it was a guy that 
that said this to us. My brothers and I were young, we were younger, and we were traveling and touring around the United States, and we walk into this uh, youth group, you know, somewhere in the Midwest, and we were gonna play a show for his youth group, not his youth group, his junior high youth group. And we were like, oh, okay, cool. So we were told the junior high youth group is about uh, 480 students for the church, junior high. Like junior high means like, um, like under 12s or something like that, right? It's like under 12s. So they had 480 kids this age in their church and we're playing a show for them. So we walk in and we're meeting the youth leaders. So they had 480 younger youth up to 12 and then they had about 600 youth, just their youth group for their church. This wasn't like they were calling out to other churches or other youth groups. This church was enormous, right? We walked in there. They had, uh, they're like, oh yeah, you're just gonna play a show for our youth group. Here's the in-ears, here's the, you know, and we're like, okay, like, great. They had nice sound system and everything. It was beautiful. But anyway, we meet the youth leader and the youth leader looks younger than all of us. And he, and we said, uh, you know, where's, where's Sean? We're here to meet Sean. And he goes, I'm Sean. I was like, nah, bro, you Sean's youth assistant. <laughs> You're not Sean, right? And, um, and it turns out he's older than us. He was older than us. He was 100% Cherokee Indian. The guy only had hair on his eyebrows and his head. Like, because he was like baby face, right? He did not grow facial hair. We met his wife and his wife was like, this man grows no facial hair, nothing. Guy can't grow a beard. Like, and at this point, I think he was like in his 30s. Yeah, he was like 35 years old. My man's looking like he's 16. <laughs> like, and I'm not even kidding, like, I'm not trying to compliment him. He actually looked like he was 16. So then he says to us, and I remember this was our first conversation together. He says to us, hey, are any of you guys married? We said, no, we're not married, because we weren't married. You know, there was, uh, you know, six brothers and our mom, and we were on tour. He goes, are any of you guys married? I say, no, we're not married. And he goes, let me give you a little tip. He says, the woman you find to marry will either double your ministry or cut it in half and then disqualify you. So choose wisely. All right, bro, nice to meet you. <laughs> okay. But that stuck with me. Why? Because it was talking about being unequally yoked, right? That even in a Christian walk, you can be unequally yoked. If one Christian doesn't want to really serve the Lord and you want to serve the Lord, guess what? Guess who's going to win? Or guess who's going to make it very difficult for you to serve the Lord? And there is growth. There is the ability. If you're both Christians, there is that growth. But, but if you're, you know, non-Christian and Christian, whew. You know, like if you walk into a relationship or you walk into a cubicle and somebody got COVID and you don't have COVID and you got no covering, guess who gonna catch COVID? But you could be like, no, I'm strong. I don't have COVID, right? I don't have, or whatever you're talking about, the flu or whatever sickness. If you're walking into a cubicle, one is sick and they can transmit that to you, 
guess who's going to get sick? Not the sick guy. He's already sick. <laughs> you are the healthy one. You will be dragged down. In, other ter in other, another term, it's like if somebody is drowning and you can swim and you go out there to swim and you grab them, you may be able to save them, but you will be loaded down. You will not be able to be doing all your fancy swimming out there. And in fact, if they're flailing and they don't get calm and under control, they're going to take you down too. So when it comes to missionary dating or whatever you want to call it, be like, oh, I'm dating the person because I'm going to show them the Lord. Doesn't work. You, it will be the, you know, a slow fade out, and you will stop walking with the Lord. Chances are. I've seen people come to the Lord. That's cool, but that's not normal. It's not normal. God's hand helped you in that. But, you know, intermarrying. And then, you know, you think about it. You, I'm, I'm a New York City kid from the United States. I have a, a, a a dual culture, right? I also have like a Spanish culture in me, right? So we eat different things, but I'm also from New York, man. I love Italian food, all right? And, and New York City Italian food, I love it, all right? You could say whatever you want about it, will not change my mind, I love it, all right? Like, oh man, I don't like that chicken parm. I don't care what you like. I like chicken parm, all right? <laughs> so like, but you know, that's who I am, but my wife, is English. I am the only New York City kid drinking a cup of tea in the middle of the day. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. None of my friends back in New York are like, yeah, let's have a cup of tea. Like even when that's what happens when you intermarry, right? You start to become like the other. My wife's not around. I still have a cup of tea and I gaze out the window. <laughs> and I sit and think to myself, what happened to me? <laughs> I intermarried. That's what happened to me. <laughs> And I say strange words that all my American friends look at me like, what are you talking about, bro? And I'm like, yeah, ring me later. And they're like, ring you later? What you talking about, right? Because we don't say that in the United States. Yeah, I'll give you a bell. <laughs> no. You always use, I'll call you later. Or like, we don't even use the term like, speak later. I'm like, what is wrong with you, man? I'm like, yo, I'll talk to you later, all right? <laughs> all right? speak soon. Okay. What are you, out of a fairy tale? <laughs> yeah. You know, so I say terms that are kind of British now, so even when people watch my teaching online from the United States, they're like, what was that term you used? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. And then when I'm saying things like two kings or two Timothy or one Timothy or two, Americans don't say it like that, right? We do first and second. First and second Timothy. So then when you say two kings, they're like, oh, that's so cute. <laughs> it's very cute. So British. <laughs> I'm like, all right, whatever. Right? So you change. We see that. Joshua was telling them, listen, don't intermarry because you're going to get pulled away. You're going to get pulled away. And that's not, you know, between different cultures for us, that's not what it's talking about. But it is talking at a spiritual level for us. If you want to marry somebody who does not follow after the Lord, 
be careful. Because he says here, you will vanish from the good land that the Lord has given you. And when you talk about vanishing, it's like a slow fade away. You ever watch those movies like, I don't know, Back to the Future or like where, where they mess up the future and the past and then all of a sudden somebody starts blipping out. They're like, oh no, the past has been changed, <laughs> right? That slow fade. And then he tells them, listen, if you do this, you are punishing yourselves. You're punishing yourselves. And I'll, I'll end with this point. You're punishing yourselves. Listen, in my household, when I say to my children, listen, don't do this certain thing, they know the line not to cross so that they don't get in trouble, right? And when trouble comes, I say, listen, are you calling out for daddy to come and to, to discipline? Because if you listen to the rules, it's all good. It's all good. But when you don't listen to the rules, and honestly, I have to say, my girls are very good. I'm not just saying that so that you think they're very good. I know I'm blessed. They're, they're usually very obedient. But there have been times where, like, you tell one of them, I remember, you know, my middle one. I don't want to share her name, but Grace knows exactly who she is. But, like, one time we're like, Gracie, don't play with scissors, all right, my lovely? Don't play with scissors, right? And then we go up into her room. This was a couple days later. Man, she playing with the scissors in her bed, cutting her blanket. <laughs> and it's like, are you wild? What, where did you come from? What are you doing? Didn't we tell you not to play with scissors? And she's just like, I forgot. <laughs> I, for, I forgot, and you're cutting your blanket? <laughs> like, what, like, what are you doing? <laughs> All right? And that's how we, when we want to do our own thing, right? We always, I forgot. <laughs> oh, Lord, I forgot. I forgot you didn't want me in this nightclub <laughs> shooting up heroin. Oh, man, <laughs> I forgot. No, no. You knew. Your heart lied to you. It lied to you as you walked down that path and said, oh, I'm just wondering what's happening in this room. Oh, yo, those are nice beats, right? I didn't know what happened. You know, or the old, um, the old one that where you, you come out of the nightclub, you're dead drunk, and then you tell people, nah, I was witnessing y'all. <laughs> I'm telling them about Jesus, man. Yeah? Wow. You needed a whole bottle of vodka to do that? What were you doing, baptizing everybody? <laughs> it's like silliness, right? When we get caught in sin. And when you look at a child and they get caught in sin doing what they're not supposed to do, and you say, what were you thinking? And they're like, I wasn't. <laughs> exactly. We don't even have to think when it comes to say, sinning. We just go in. And we punish ourselves. We make a whip for our own back because it says, but if you turn away from him, these things will happen to you. Right? You will punish yourselves. You force God's hand. You force his hand. And then in 1 Timothy in the New Testament, and like I said, we're going to finish with this. 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 through 10. 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 through 10. And it reads this. Yeah, 
it'll be up on the screen. Um, yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we are, um, oh, sorry. I think I, I skipped some of it. So it says, uh, no, no, it, it, sorry, it's, uh, it, it keeps on. So verse eight, so if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Pierced themselves. Like, so when I go out and I go do what I want to do, right? And listen, if you have a good job and you make money, praise the Lord. It says there, the love of money is the root to all kinds of evil. So we can't love money. If you're good at making money, then go ahead and do that in the Lord. Okay? Loving the Lord first. But then it says that those that have chased the want to be rich have pierced themselves. And that's sad, right? It isn't like, oh, and then the Lord came to pierce them, right? Because he was angry at what they did. No, he knows that when we run into the road, when he's told us, don't go there, you get hit by a car, right? So he's trying to save us up out of things that we'll, we will hurt ourselves with. So he tells them, don't turn away, cling to him. Do not cling to the customs of the people around them. Don't intermarry with them, it, you know, like spiritually for us, like, hey, Look to be around people that will encourage you. That's why we're told not to give up on meeting with the fellowship. You know, Sunday mornings, I really enjoy because I enjoy you guys. And I'm strengthened by you guys. It isn't that I don't see non-Christians or I'm not friends with non-Christians. Yeah, I'm friends with them. I see them. But you know what? My strength doesn't come from them. My strength comes from the people of God that love God. So then I'm encouraged and strengthened by their words, by their actions, to continue on in living a life that is worthy and honorable to the Lord. Right? So if you are lacking in friendship, we have lots of things here at church that we could do, we do together, and we hang out, and it will encourage you in life. And remember that when the Lord tells us not to do something, if we continue to do it, we're punishing ourselves. We're piercing our, our, own, our own selves. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, we just praise you and we thank you for your word. And Lord, um, yeah, we pray that we would take it to heart. And Lord, that, it's, that we would be like it says in the book of James, Lord. Those that he, not just hear your word, but go out and be doers of your word. Lord, that we would learn from you, that we would love you and that we would be a blessing to you. And we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.